we proclaim that victory that we have in Jesus. Sing along. Well, I heard an old story. How the Savior came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his growing, of his precious blood's atoning. Good. It's so good to have you all here at Sunset Hills Baptist Church. Whether you're joining on our live stream or whether you are here uh, in our building, it is so good to be in the house of the Lord. At the end, as we, as we wind down to the end of the summer, we prayed for that rain and it came, didn't it? And it came and it came and it came. Uh, we'll talk more about that later as far as our event goes, but man, I'm telling you, it's so good to see these kids here in the front row, good to see our families here, to praise the name of the Lord. If you're here this morning and you're a first-time guest, uh, we want to say it's, it's an honor to have you today, and we hope we can get to know you more. Please stop at our welcome desk on the way out so we can get to know you and more about you and um, figure out how to serve your family best. Let's keep praising our Lord this morning. 
so thankful that God when we have storms in our lives that we serve a Lord that can just speak into that storm and the storm will be silent God I just pray if there's one here this morning that God is just seems like you're right in the middle of a storm God I just pray that you would just encourage our hearts this morning and give us faith that, that God you're in that storm with us as well that we're never alone God, as we uh, lean into your word here this morning, speak to our hearts, God, today. Lord, if you call us to something, let us be obedient, God, to follow your lead. Lord, and let everything that we do, let it draw others to you. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. There we go. I'm going to start out by asking you a question that I do often. I think I probably know the answer to this, actually. What is it when they say an attorney asks the question, don't ever ask a question that you don't know the answer to? Well, I think I know the answer to this question that I'm about to ask is this. Do you ever have weeks or days when your plans just don't seem to be working out? Anybody understand that? Anybody have those weeks or days like that where your plans just don't seem to work out? All of us probably fit that category from time to time, do we not? Well, I want to tell you that this has been one of those weeks. Plans were made both in my personal life and in our church life that were carefully crafted. A lot of time and effort was put into the planning the staging of materials and activities, and then the plans go bust, as in what we're experiencing this afternoon. I want to tell you, Pastor Kelly, Pastor Mike, uh, they came up with this super-saturated Sunday idea, 
and uh, they have put a lot of time and effort into it. I came along a little later and kind of joined in some things with them, but they've worked hard, and people have worked hard around them, and then all of a sudden it's like, we're afraid to get wet <laughs> on super-saturated Sunday, right? So we, uh, yesterday I called them up and I said, guys, it's not looking too good. I'm seeing 90% chance of rain and that's not going to be good. So let's see what we can do. So we're postponing a week. We're going to try to do it next Sunday. We're going to give you the times. We'll announce that as we get a little further along. It, uh, after tomorrow, we have some time to kind of retool our thinking. So we want you to be here next Sunday evening, and we're going to have a, a good meal together and a whole lot of great activities, Lord willing, right? And it's been uh, not just one of those weeks, it seems like, where we make plans and then our plans get thwarted. It, it's, it's really almost been a season of that for so many people for so long. And here's a fact that you can count on happening no matter who you are. Trouble is, is going to come knocking unexpectedly at your door at some point. You don't have to spend your time looking for it. Guess what? Trouble just seems to find you. Trouble knows your address, as one said. You, you're either in it now, or you've just gotten out of it, or you're headed for it. Isn't that good news this morning, right? Trouble is something that belongs to, to, to all of us as part of the human uh, race. Trouble produces those tough days, those tough weeks, those tough seasons of life. We've all experienced them, and we know that there are some that seem to be worse than others. In the comic strip, Peanuts, Charlie Brown is saying to Lucy, I've got so many troubles that if anything happens to me today, it will be two weeks before I can worry about it. Can you identify with Charlie? In the past couple of weeks, several weeks, I've focused on a particular song or a hymn that uh, I used to, to build a theme around. And early on Thursday morning, uh, and this is very personal to me, I, I was awakened uh, with thoughts going through my mind about different people uh, that are going through some hard times, maybe some illnesses or other situations. Even my own kind of mixed feelings about some things that I'm experiencing, nothing bad. It doesn't take much to, to wake us up sometimes with these, these troubles on our mind. But in my own situation, as I woke up early Thursday morning, a song popped into my head. It's one that we used to sing in church when I was in junior high school. In fact, I loved singing this song because I, I could harmonize on it pretty well uh, as, as they were singing it at church. And I might even join in here in a minute when I have uh, the worship team come and sing this song. According to Timeless Truths, a website, I, I like to, when I'm kind of looking at the hymns, I like to go and see what's the history behind those hymns and who was it that wrote them. Well, there's contradictory claims to who wrote this particular song that I'm referring to. 
The words and the music are, are frequently attributed to W.B. Stevens, although there have been others who attributed those words to W.A. Fletcher. Okay, now, what does that mean to all of y'all? Not much, except for that you should know this. These were both two ministers of the gospel. And even though they didn't know exactly who wrote the words and it was a different time period, both of these ministers experienced loss, one greater than other. They dealt with grief and they dealt with hard times. Their words, or at least the feelings they share, tell us now a hundred years later after this song was written on how to handle disappointment. Worship team, come and share this song this morning.
standards. come to you this morning we know there are times when situations or circumstances happen we just don't seem to make a whole lot of sense Father, if we'll be faithful, if we will keep trusting, we'll be obedient in due time, farther along. We'll understand why. I pray this message speaks to us this morning. Not my words, but what you have us to hear through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We ask these things and things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Somebody bring me some Kleenex up here. I can't see because I've got so many tears. We have a box of Kleenex anywhere. No boxes of Kleenex anywhere. Fine, I'll do it this way.
Bobby to the rescue. Excuse me a minute. Hold on. Hey, Bobby. Come here, man. Here, please. It is easy to look around <clears throat> and wonder at times what God's doing. Especially when we go through some very difficult times when they're tough. Those times when plans don't seem to work out. Those times when we're wanting to hear from God. But it seems in those times he's often silent. Times when we're trying to understand what God's plans are and we just seem to be in a holding pattern and just waiting on God. Waiting is difficult. It's hard. Many times it becomes very frustrating. And at times, waiting really can test our faith. It's especially difficult when there's no guarantee that what we're waiting for will actually come to pass. Desires we long for, prayers we've been praying for, or news we're waiting to hear can tempt us to become impatient, to be discouraged, to be anxious, or even to wonder if God really does care and really loves me. We can question this and find ourselves in that situation. God, do you really love me? I want us to look at a familiar story in the Bible that describes a time when a family was going through a very difficult season and had to wait on Jesus. It's a very familiar story that we all have heard. In fact, I preached it, this story, probably two to three times. And even though these people went through this period of life, at a time that was anything but pleasant... God still loved them and was walking with them. If you want to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 11, we're going to pick up with a verse 1 that says, goes like this, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This is Mary and, and her sister, they're, they're two sisters and a brother who live just a few miles from Jerusalem. This Mary, as the Bible says, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Here John is, is really saying, hey, I really want you to get who this Mary is because there were a lot of Marys that were referred to in the Bible. So he identifies her as that one who takes expensive oil and he pours it onto Jesus' feet and then wipes his feet with her hair. John wants everyone to know exactly who this family is, which is a confirmation that this truly happened. And he takes great pains to identify her by the stories that had become known about them throughout the community. So it's that Mary. Verse 3 says, So the sister sent word to Jesus. He's away. He's about a day and a half away. Not that far, but they sent him this message, Lord, the one you love is sick. You get it? 
It's recorded as this one who Jesus is love. They don't even use his name when they send the message. It's got some passion attached to it that this is the one that you love. It's like when your mom or dad used to say, you know, when your, their child gets in trouble, the other one would say, your son did this or your daughter did this. Maybe you've been the one who that's been uh, directed toward. It's like, uh, I really want you to take care of this right now. And so it becomes very personal, not really putting the name in it, but do something about this. So they send this message to Jesus as one that you love. And when he heard this, Jesus said, The sickness will not end in death, nor is it God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Let me stop here just a second and say this, this. This is not good news, it seems, to those. On the one hand, it is, but he's sending this message. The sickness, the sickness for God's glory, that just doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. It doesn't sound right. And it certainly doesn't sound fair that this sickness has come on this man named Lazarus so that God's glory will be, will be seen. I'm pretty sure this must have been pretty puzzling to those people who were around Jesus during this time, to those just disciples and if Mary and Martha had heard this no doubt it would have been something that they would have just really reacted very negatively toward I don't want to hear that when my brother is sick that it's going to bring glory to to you what I really want to hear is I want you to fix it I want you to be healed heal him Jesus could have quoted an Old Testament scripture here as he did on some other occasions, it goes like this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, as he's speaking to those disciples that may be puzzled here. Neither, your ways not, or neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord, for the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. He could have said that, hey, I've got it all under control. I've got a plan here. But he doesn't quote the scripture. He just says, this is to be to God's glory. If the song that the worship team, that the congregation just sang, Father Alone, had been written at this time, it might have been a good time to hear, we'll understand it all by and by. Jesus says, Lazarus is sick for God's glory. He goes on to say, this sickness, this sickness will not end in death, nor it's for God's glory so that God's Son might be glorified in this. Now, I want to stop here and just get you this, see that, that you see this picture. There are two views being portrayed here. There's, first of all, the, the view that's a human perspective, that, that they think that what's going on with Lazarus is due to some natural causes to this, to this sickness. They think that under a normal, everyday sickness like this, that, that normal day end result was going to be that he was going to die. And here's, uh, here's the other perspective that's from the viewpoint of Jesus, that this says that, no, wait a minute, he's not going to die. This is for God's glory so that the son may be glorified and Jesus is addressing this he tells them it's not going to end the way you normally think it ends John once again 
emphasizes something I think is very important for us to remember when we're going through difficult times. It's already, it's already been explained that this is the one that you love, Jesus. But here in verse 5, he says, now Jesus, he does it again, he says it again. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He doesn't just know them. He doesn't just like them. He loves them. And John is careful here to say that when this family is going through this difficult season, that Jesus loved them. So church, when we're going through a difficult season, it's important that we see this. That there's emphasis here that Jesus loves you. Verse 6 says, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he rushes immediately to take care of the problem. No, that's what Jesus decided to do. He stayed where he was two more days. Doesn't go immediately after he receives the message. He waits. He delays. They're expecting expediency. And what does Jesus do? He delays. He waits two days. This possibly is one of the hardest struggles that we as believers have today. Why doesn't God immediately speak into my problem? Doesn't he see how I'm suffering with this? Doesn't he see the heartache that I'm feeling? He, why doesn't he come in and, and, and take care? Why do I have to wait? Waiting is uncomfortable. As I said earlier, because it often is accompanied by God's silence. I, I want to stop here and tell you about the moment that I decided I felt the need to preach this sermon. Maybe you've already. Maybe you've already sensed how personal this is to me. Last Sunday morning, the worship team, team sang the song, Waymaker. If you're not familiar with the song, there's a portion of it that says, and gives us a great promise. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. It's a great promise from our great way maker. And he goes on to like this way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. So I heard as I heard those words last week. I was thinking people were running through my mind. They need to hear a word from God. We may not understand it. We may not see it. We may not feel it. But church, know this, God is always at work. And if only Mary and Martha, the disciples... And us included in this could catch hold of this promise 
It really will change our perspective from that of a human perspective to that of a godly perspective. I know it's hard, and quite honestly, I know that this sermon is very hard for some of you all to hear, even right now. But remember this promise, God is at work. And by his waiting, he's going to show this great measure of love to Mary and to Martha, and especially to Lazarus. You see, heretofore, <clears throat> Jesus could go around, he could heal a lot of people. And, and there were a couple that he actually brought back from life uh, almost instantaneously. But in this particular case, he waits a couple of days, and we'll find out that Lazarus has been dead a pretty good while. Then he comes in, and he chooses to do something. He, he, he delays, but Lazarus receives life. It's an extra measure of love that he's demonstrated that he's not demonstrated before. Verse 7 says, And then he said to his disciples, Let's go back to Judea. Now, I'm sure they're thinking, Finally, two days later, two days after we get the message, now he finally gets, decides to go to Lazarus. But watch what one of the, how the disciples respond. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and you're going back? It's referring back to, don't you remember that when you were there, they tried to kill you? Are you crazy that we're going to show up in the very same place that they, that they... Why take this kind of risk? And by the way, <clears throat> when you take this kind of risk, you put us at risk also. Are you sure you want to do this? And then Jesus gives a really strange answer. He's really good at this. Answer a question with a question. It really illustrates a point that he wants to teach them by telling a story. And here he answers their question by what seems to be something totally unrelated to what they were talking about. What he is doing is he's taking an opportunity to teach them something. And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daylight, daytime will not stumble, for they see the world's light. It's when a person walks at night that they stumble, they have no light. And after he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. And his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps... I, this is kind of funny, really. If he sleeps, just let him sleep. I mean... It's a classic example of Jesus knowing the whole story. His disciples are trying to understand as only they can in human terms, especially at this point when their interaction with Jesus. Let's just kind of let him do the humanly thing and that's sleep. If he's just sleeping, don't wake him up. Why, why do we need to do that? He'll get better. Why do we disturb him? The fever will be broken and we don't need to go to Judea. Jesus has been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Jesus is about to make another profound and sensitive statement. He's already made one decision by not going. Now he's about to 
Say another one. He turns to his disciples. He says, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. Think of the implications of this. Now, wait a minute. I'm trying to work this out in my mind, Jesus. You say you love Lazarus. You say you love his sisters, Mary and Martha. You knew he was going to die, and you waited two days? You could have done something about that. You let them take care of their brother as they would do in the home, and the outcome was going to be death. You know about this? And you stay here for a couple more days? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I'm sure they're probably thinking, you could have prevented this. And then you say you were glad you were not there? Can you imagine what would have happened in our day if they'd had uh, technology like we do? Immediately, there would have been someone of that crowd who was texting Mary and Martha, telling them that Jesus knew your brother was going to die, and he decided to stay here for a couple more days. Social media would have blown up. The story would have been passed around. Uh, I was, when I was kind of researching this song, Father Alone, there's a, a, a couple of guys that, uh, they're called the singing contractors. You ever heard of them? YouTube them. YouTube it. Singing contractors. It's a couple of good old boys who really are contractors, and we... Lynn was reading me their story on the way out to church this morning. They have, they say they have the, the scars and the bro busted knuckles to, to back up their story about it. But they're in they're, they're, they are really blessed with incredible voices. And they just start, they're working along, and they, one of them grabs the phone and says, Hey, how about a song? And they say, well, okay, that sounds good. The other one says, let's go in a room where the acoustics are better. So they walk into a room that they're constructing, and they just start letting it go. And one of those songs that they do is Farther Along. It's great. It's an incredible version of that song. They just do the, the chorus, and the harmony is incredible. So I encourage you to look these guys up and, and let that song, let others that they do speak to you. But when they did this particular song, it says that within 24 hours of, of posting this on YouTube, they had over 1 million views. Incredible, really. I just suspect, as massive as that is, that that word would have spread through social media about Jesus not coming to Lazarus, and there'd probably been 3 million views. Three million hits on it. Far more because word like that would have spread, which it did, as a matter of fact, within its normal kind of means of communication. They asked the question, it's like, in their minds, I think, as we would normally do, if you love someone that much, Jesus, why would you let them die? Why would you allow these sisters to feel this way and go through this pain? 
Let me back up and say, verse 14, So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you... There's a reason behind it. There's always a reason why God does and thinks that he does. Always. And here's Jesus explaining it. So that you may believe, but let us go to him. It's an important lesson. Could it be that sometimes things happen in our life so that we can get a bigger picture of what God wants to do for us? That God's creating opportunities, inviting us into situations that don't seem pleasant so that he can work in behind the scenes and cause us to see him in a different light or allow him to do something different, bigger for us. And then Thomas, it says, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Again, I just want to kind of, kind of, I really want to just, Okay, if I'm Thomas, if I'm with the disciples, if I've got this reputation that, that Thomas has, I, I think probably Thomas is saying this maybe skeptical, skeptically. Let us also go on so that we'll die with him. We might as well, you know, let's just go die with him. Lazarus is dead. The Jews... They're probably going to stone Jesus. So we just might as well go too. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. He's already been placed there for four days. Now, again, I just want to put some humanity into this. Lazarus has been sick long enough that the sisters have become very concerned. He is so incapacitated that they're having to take care of him. Doing things that normally people would do for someone who's critically ill. They're talking to him, I'm sure, and they're trying to say to him, Hey, Lazarus, don't worry. We've sent message to Jesus. He's going to come. We've got, we've got, he, they're on their way to get him now, and he's going to come. Don't give up. Jesus is on the way. And they waited, and they waited, and Lazarus is getting sicker, and he's getting sicker. Where is he? Why is he not here? He says, so say, why aren't you speaking into this right now? And Lazarus dies. And verse 18 says, now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha to comfort them in this loss of their brother. I mean, you get the detail here? And the people who took care of things, uh, when one dies, comes and they take the body. And they do the thing that they do, did in that day, to prepare the body. And the, bo and the family does what they do they, they, today. They, they mourn. And I can't help but think that uh, they may have thought that we sometimes... Uh, that, that we are sometimes in that same situation. You know, they're probably thinking, Jesus, we had faith in you. Just like I think there are times when we say, Jesus, I had faith in you. Why didn't you answer my prayer? Where were you when I needed you? 
Four days later, it says, Jesus shows up. He shows up when it seems that all hope is gone for Lazarus. I'm guessing there's a lot of conversation going on where about Jesus getting there way too late. He didn't rescue the one he loved. Well, he didn't even come to the funeral. We've already put him in the grave. And now he has the nerve to show up. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, and Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. As if to say this is your fault. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. I know we'll see him again, Jesus. But why didn't you come so that we could see him today? Why don't you take care of this right now? It would have saved us so much trouble. Jesus looks at this confused, angry, hurt, grieving woman, and he says, I am the resurrection and life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. He says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? He asks the question again. Do you believe in who I am? Do you believe in what I was sent here to do? In those times when we're grief-stricken, in those times that are not so fun, in those times when we're just consumed with struggles around us, do we believe it? Do we believe what Jesus is asking? Martha? He said, do you trust me, really? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And after she said, had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. And when Mary heard this, she got up quickly, went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews had uh, been with Mary in the house confronting, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, and they followed, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was, she saw him. She fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, it sounds familiar, doesn't it? My brother would not have died. About the same kind of conversation. Why didn't you come? Why didn't you save him? When Jesus saw her weeping, get this. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and trouble. Do you kind of, don't, 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 don't gloss over this too quickly. 
When Jesus saw her weeping, you get it? When he felt her pain, he senses exactly her emotion. The Bible says, where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see. And then a very tender moment happens for Jesus. And Jesus in this moment in time, even though he knows the outcome that's going to happen for Lazarus, the Bible says, Jesus I don't know about you, but I think this is really pretty precious. A very tender moment. It's as if he says, I understand. I, I feel your pain. I'm not so distant that I don't know how you feel. I, I think this is saying that when we hurt, when we feel pain, when we don't understand all that's going on around us, God, he, he just leans in and he gently says, I know. Maybe you've seen it running on TV right now, some advertisements of everyday situations that are portrayed in this this commercial setting and then it kind of walks through this very brief story and then words flash up on the screen and it says Jesus gets it have you seen those commercials they're pretty cool this is Jesus's way of saying in that day I get it I get you in this tender moment of him weeping those that are around respond. See how he loved him. But some of them said, could not, he, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. Wait a minute. Why are we taking away the stone? He's dead. Do you really want to see a dead man? I'm pretty sure that those that were standing around anticipating that they were actually going to remove the stone, they do what probably we would have done knowing that circumstances they did this. We don't want to experience this. But Lord, I mean, Martha responds in a very natural way. The sister of the dead man, by this time, there's a bad odor. Still seeing it in the human kind of perspective. For he's been there for four days. Now, just put, kind of again, just put yourself into the story. Jesus knows this. He knows he's been there for four days. He's figured it all out. And here's Martha telling the very one who has the power to give this man life. She's heard the stories about how he's done that. She says to him, 
Jesus, do you really want to open up that, that, that tomb because there's going to be a bad odor that's going to come out of there? Which kind of brings me to a point here. We tend to try to tell God how things should work out for us when he has already got the details in mind. He already knows. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? God, Martha, if you believe me, if you trust me, if you place your total trust in me, guess what? You're going to see God's glory. You know, in this life, we think so much is about us. Even within the church, we think that everything revolves around us. Really, I have a hard time with this, and I'm pretty sure you have a hard time with it too. It's just the human nature thing we do, that perspective that we have, that somehow if we could just get it in our mind that it's not really about us, it's all about God. It's about His plan that He has for us in, his, in our lives. Ultimately, it's about seeing His glory through us. If you believe, if you're faithful, even in difficult times, here's this promise, you will see God's glory. Verse 41 says, they took away the stone. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. Don't you think that's kind of interesting here? Here's, here's God himself in the form of Jesus. And before he brings Lazarus back to life, as soon as they move the stone, he looks up to heaven. What does he do? He prays, which is also a great example for us. When we're in the midst of situations, to take time to say to our Heavenly Father, thank you for being with me. Thank you for the ability that I can bring this before you and that you hear me. Here's Jesus having a conversation with God. I knew you, that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing around here. You know who those people are standing around right now. It's me and it's you. Jesus did this so that those of us who are standing around, that we may believe that you sent me. He's saying out loud so that others can hear, this is not about me right now. It's not really about Lazarus. It's not about Mary. It's not about Martha. It's about you, God. And I want people to know that this is really all about you. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Wait a minute. Again, do we really want to do that? Do we really want to take those grave clothes off of him? And therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, watch this, believed in him. 
If I stand around, why wouldn't you, right? <laughs> he just did an incredible thing. And the story spreads fast. Now, I said that maybe he would have gotten three million kind of views if it had been on YouTube. Oh, goodness. It would have been far more. There would have been a camera. This man's come back to life. Someone who was dead, for sure, in the tomb for four days. And Jesus brought him back to life. So here's the question for us really, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe that even in the midst of of the struggles and the difficulties, the hardships that you're going through in life, do you believe that you can see God's glory? Not just way out in eternity, okay? I mean, that's where we tend to go, right? Just as, as the sister did. You know, I know eventually, yeah. But do we believe that we can see God's glory in the here and the now? promise was given if you believe you will see the glory of God what does that look like if you continue to trust you'll see God's glory if you continue to maintain hope you'll see God's glory if you continue to keep your focus on Jesus not on everything else but on Jesus Guess what? Even in the not-so-fun times of life, you will see God's glory. If you believe that God's able to speak into your situation, you'll see God's glory in His Son. If you believe that God loves you no matter what, you'll see His glory. If you believe that He is able to do far more than we can ever imagine, if you believe that He has a plan for your life, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future, and if you believe that God is still at work no matter what, you will see God's glory. And like the old song says, Farther along, we'll know all about it. Farther along, we'll understand why. Cheer up, my brother. Live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. You know what? I mean, honestly, that particular song, it's almost like it's sad, really. You know? It was written out of sad circumstances. 
as I read about the authors and some of the deals that they went through, one of those men, before he was 17 years old, lost an uncle and a cousin in a very short period of time. Later, he would go on and marry, and his wife, he and his wife would travel around the country around soon after the Civil War, the, right around the turn of the century, and they would hold tent revivals. And the two of them had several children. It doesn't say exactly how many. But the history records that all of this man's children, he and his wife, all of their children died before they did. Most of them did not even make it into adulthood. I think the oldest one that, that lived only lived to be 19 years old. And then the man goes on and his wife dies a year before him. And yet he writes this, Cheer up! Cheer up, my brother! Live in the sunshine. Don't stay in that sad, depressed state. Certainly you may have reason to be there. Certainly you may have circumstances that would cause you to kind of look at yourself and say, Whoa, me, God, why didn't you come when I needed you? He's saying, though, that this author, is, he's experienced this. He says, wait a minute, I've got something to understand that, that's far better. I don't understand it now, but I will. I will in the by and by. Father, would you just help us to see? There, there, is, there is hope. There's promise in this message. If we just believe. No matter what circumstance we're facing right now, Help us to have faith and trust in you. To believe that no matter what the outcome is, that you love us and you're not going to forsake us and you're going to be walking with us and you're going to be right there with us. And ultimately, this can lead to glory of God. here today and you're struggling you're in a situation where you're just at that point where it's like why why aren't you answering and I pray that you just kind of said Lord pray this prayer Lord I, I I bring it before you I'm struggling with believing but help me to believe help me to trust you Help me to be obedient. Help me that no matter what, I will see your glory in this. Maybe that's a prayer that you would feel more comfortable coming here in this altar and praying.
or having someone like myself or you want to grab the hand of someone else say will you just go and pray with me will you just kneel down and pray with me it doesn't have to be a vocal prayer just a silent prayer I just, I just want you to affirm that you're praying this with me that God's glory would be evidenced in my life Father, I pray that we will be obedient right now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please stand.
times and the times that aren't so fun and there are times when it's opportunity for doubt and the times those times opportunity to see your glory help us to see that this week in our own lives in Jesus name I pray amen please be seated Thank you, Pastor Steve. We have some exciting things coming up in the life of our church we want to let you guys know about. Um, first thing we'll tell you is that there is a, um, the ladies' Bible study is going to be back here soon. Uh, a 10-week ladies' Bible study, the Lamb of God, is going to be offered on Tuesday evenings, coming up from 7 to 8.30, and Wednesday evenings from 6 to 7.30, and this begins in a few weeks, August 16th and 17th. If you'd like to be a part of that, come alongside others, uh, ladies, in that journey together. Um, you can sign up in the foyer or you can see Cheryl Lewis. Cheryl Lewis, raise your hand right down here. You can see her. Uh, something else we want to bring your attention to is this Tuesday night we have a, we've been asked uh, to be part of National uh, Night Out Against Crime in Nolensville Park. This is a national event. It's going on not just in Nolensville, but in cities all across America, actually. There's one at Opry Mills uh, Mall uh, this week and, and other places in our community in the greater Nashville area. But this is a chance for us to love our community. Uh, we've been asked Sunset Hills Baptist to uh, be there to support that. And so um, your staff will be there uh, this Tuesday night, Pastor Steve and Pastor Kelly and myself and a few others. We're going to have an inflatable. There's going to be lots of kids there and a great way just to love our community. Pastor Kelly. Amen. Hey, we got a lot of uh, really great things going on. We had a great life group this morning in student ministry. As a matter of fact, we had to bring chairs in. Really? Awesome. Yeah. Really? We're going to, yeah. That, that'll teach you to put more than four chairs in there. And, uh, <laughs> teasing. It's full. <laughs> no, no, it's no. Full. Uh, August the um, 7th. Is August the, oh man, I'm drawing a blank. Is next uh, our pool party come on guys help me with it 10th thank you guys August 10th we're having a pool party at the uh, Gordon's house uh, I'm not gonna lie they don't know it yet but they'll know when the we get Gordons there. don't know yes. it it's gonna be a good time so uh, that's gonna be our end of the summer bash and then we have a back-to-school bash coming up on the 17th that'll just just be right after that so a lot of really great things going on and uh, men's retreat it's coming up right around the corner. So, um, guys, uh, ladies, if you have not already plugged into uh, ministry uh, that God will just encourage your heart with, please encourage you to do that. Uh, we got a lot of things going on um, all around us everywhere you, you look. So uh, plug in and be a part of the life of this church. I want to say this. Uh, I, I'm truly grateful for our worship team. If I just come up with a song and say, hey, can you all do this? I did this. I, I told him. I don't remember, middle of the week, hey, can you do this song? And they got it together and did it just no time at all. So would you express your appreciation to the worship team? Thanks. Why are you backing up? I thought you were. Thought oh, you, you were. thought I was going to do that? I, was, I thought, I, thought I, I was going to do super saturated Sunday for Kelly. Would you please stand? You were fast. If I was taller, I could have gotten you. <laughs> 
Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, my height, God, first of all. Uh, Lord, we thank you for good times, being able to laugh, and uh, Lord, we thank you for life. God, all you've called us to do, uh, let us to be bold, God, and, and, and go about the mission field that you've called us to. Let everything that we do bring glory to you. We love you. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of our pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. And let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.